Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. I'm Allison Sullivan, and this is a podcast about sometimes saving the world and sometimes just surviving in it. In the next hour or so, we will nurture our friendships, explore our joy, shake our fists, all while trying to serve our God, and most likely, all while wearing pajamas. I hope you hear something that lets you know you are loved and helps you love one another. Welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. controversial stuff in the world. Politics, religion, the Kardashians, and I don't so much prefer to be in the middle of it. Social tension stresses me out. I physically cannot watch The Bachelor or The Bachelorette without acrobatics. I flop on the floor. I hide my eyes the entire time. I sweat. I squeal. I stand on my head. I leave the room a jillion times. And this isn't theatrics. It's stress. I can't take it. The tricky part about this is that even though I hate tension and have some Care Bear tendencies, I also have a very strong sense of justice when it comes to standing up for whom I may perceive to be an underdog. It's important to my soul for things to be set right. This combination of intense aversion to conflict, yet intense insistence on justice, has had its troubles. You can see how they don't quite go together. In real life, I like to think that I tackle things as they come. But on social media... I found that it's best to just stay out of it. So when tensions arise on Facebook, I run to Instagram and look at pretty pictures instead. I've been pretty good about staying conflict-free on Facebook. Except there was that one time when I just couldn't let it go. My friend, we shall call her Greta, is a gem of a friend who laughs easily and heartily, and she's laughing in every picture she takes. She lives life with the fullness that others envy. She can get along with anyone and has thousands of friends of many, many different kinds. You could find her in a biker bar, enjoying a cold beer or at a glitzy gala, sipping champagne. Whatever the case, she's on the dance floor. If you come up with a harebrained idea, she's the friend that says, do it. I'll do it with you. Greta loves God. She wants to love God. She's trying to love God, but frankly, it's been a slow-going journey. She's taken one step forward and then a couple back, as we all do when accepting something life-changing. And she's certainly been no stranger to life changes. As she's searched and found, she's struggled to find a way to praise him that suits her. She's not necessarily your megachurch, hand-clapping, full rock band, pastor in skinny jeans kind of church girl, but she's hardly your traditional, dusty-hemmed, old organ kind of celebrator either. She's more of a sunset while hiking, giving books to kids who have none, laughing around a table kind of praiser. Faith hasn't come easily. She's searching, and she's curious, and she looks for him along her way. Greta's mom passed away when we were 21. Greta's dad remarried when we were 33. And the woman whom Greta's dad married, we shall call her Diane, is a conservative Southern Baptist with strong political views, militant moral convictions, and a very loud voice. I don't think there's one thing wrong with any of those descriptors, but they are certainly not the ones that I would use to describe Greta. Let's just say that if Greta and Diane were on Match.com, they'd filter each other out. Diane has been a bit of a bull in a china shop, and Greta has had to grieve many, many fine figurines that Diane has broken while running and yelling through the tender, vulnerable aisles of the You Married My Dad and I Really Wish My Mom Were Still Here store. Despite the figurines, Greta loves people. She's an optimist, 
and this is an excellent recipe for forgiveness and peace. But it's not foolproof. On Good Friday a couple of years ago, Greta, with what was for her a very bold move, celebrated Good Friday with a Facebook post that said this, Jesus was a liberal, social worker, hippie who loved people. That's a God I can get behind. Happy Good Friday, everyone. God bless you. I hadn't yet seen this post, but as I logged onto Facebook, I received an instant message from Greta asking if I had seen her post. I answered quickly that I hadn't. She instructed me to go to her page, and then she told me that she was so mad that her hands were shaking and tears were involuntarily springing from her eyes. Quickly, I punched in her name and read the post and smiled heartily that Greta had found a way to identify with Jesus. I sifted through the comments to look for anything that could be offensive, and there it was. Diane. Diane, loud and proud. The first to comment, she said this, No liberal, hippie, social worker would ever willingly put themselves on a cross and die for you. Jesus Christ is the world's only Savior, God's one Son, and my personal Lord, and He was none of those things. Okay. Now my hands were shaking as I tried to figure out the best way to take up for my friend who had made herself vulnerable for perhaps the very first time in God's name. I could not have her suffer because of it. I couldn't. So I decided to turn to scripture. And the verse that immediately came to mind was the one where Paul said that he had put aside his rights. He had removed cultural barriers and set aside any non-moral issue in order to become all things to all men. I thought this was perfect, and Diane, as a firm believer, undoubtedly trying to win people to Christ, should heed his advice and chill the heck out. After all, I thought the verse did a great job of explaining how two very different people could find the exact same man intensely lovable because he became a slave to all. Jesus wanted to save everyone. So I found the verse and punched it in as quickly as I could. I couldn't push post fast enough because I was pretty certain that Paul had written this part of the Bible just for Greta and just for Diane, just for this very day. And then, after not near enough discernment, I decided that God's word needed my help. Diane probably couldn't read. So she needed me to not only share the verse, but most certainly, she also needed my interpretation of it. God's words weren't nearly enough. Nope. Decidedly, I needed to interject some of my own. So, an addendum. Hey, Diane, when people put God in a box, they'll always be larger than him. And it seems to me that you are mighty large and your God is mighty small. God isn't just for you. I pushed post and smiled, pleased with myself. She was so arrogant, that Diane, to spout her opinions all over Facebook that way. She had hurt my vulnerable friend trying to find her way, and I couldn't think of a bigger barrier to accepting Christianity than what she had done. I felt very, very justified when I considered the damage this woman was causing. Sadly, I wasn't finished. I went on, Diane, I typed, your savior you speak of, you speak of commands you to love your neighbor. And guess what? Your neighbor's everyone. The hippie, the liberal, the social worker, not just the people like you, because that's too easy, Diane. Fine, good, there, I was done. Wait, one more thing. Hey, Diane, you might very well be dutiful, but you're not compassionate. And I suspect your halo's on just a bit too tight. And I felt excellent about all of this, I tell you. Excellent. There was my sad, shaking friend now justified because of me. My friend, a precious person to whom faith has not come easy, could see what real faith looked like. Curtsy. And everything was great until I tried to go to sleep that night. But I kept hearing this. Allison, I heard, 
God isn't just for you. Allison, I heard, the Savior you speak of commands you to love your neighbor. And guess what? Your neighbor's everyone, not the people just like you, because that's too easy, Allison. And then one more thing. Allison, you might very well be dutiful, but you are not compassionate, and I suspect your halo might be on a bit too tight. I tossed and I turned and I grappled and I complained before realizing that I had this lesson to learn. Love is learning that God loves Greta intensely and he loves Diane just as much. And for that reason only, it's my job to also work to find both of them delightful. Of course, it's easier for me to find Greta delightful, but even jerks are good to people whom they enjoy. Being a peacemaker, not a peacetaker, involves finding God in everyone and having patience and compassion for the parts that aren't yet godly, including my own. In my mind, I delivered justice, and in her mind, she delivered justice, but it isn't ours to deliver. It's God's, and He will when He chooses, and He's far more patient than we are. I know firsthand how bitterness can gnaw and rage can churn and angry thoughts can pile up until there isn't room for much else. I know about that clutching emotion that robs us of sleep as we rehearse conversations where we are eloquently victorious, thinking of clever ways to tell off the people who hurt us, tossing and turning and delivering justice with our sharp tongues and our excellent points. Yes, I know that feeling. And yet, I have been given infinite amounts of mercy. So is justice what I really want? Really? But what do we do with the person who may never, ever be sorry? What do we do with the person who may never care to acknowledge our bruises or our bumps? Because that's the assignment, isn't it? Has Jesus asked us to do something impossible? For a while, I was certain that he had. I examined my own personal bumps and bruises, and I considered my own Diane. And I realized how much work I still had to do when it came to the forgiveness that we've been called to give, because I would lie awake at night begging for peace, begging for forgiveness to enter my heart, to wash it clean. But no matter what I did or how hard I prayed, I couldn't will it to come. I longed for my harsh feelings to loosen their grip, but the turmoil wouldn't let up. I yearned for my heart to feel what my mind knew that it should, but it wasn't cooperating no matter how hard I tried. I did the things I knew to do. I prayed. I prayed hard. I prayed for those people who had hurt me and didn't seem to care. I prayed intensely for their blessings. I had tricks. When I taught middle school, some of my students were so unruly that I sometimes felt the urge to kick them in the shin. But because I needed a job and because I loved Jesus, I knew that I needed to come up with a plan to love them better or at least not assault a minor. What I came up with was picturing them asleep. What would they be wearing? What would their breathing sound like? In what position had their body finally relaxed for the day? I softened with compassion, thinking of them so vulnerable so peaceful. So I practiced this with the people who had hurt me, and I pictured them as young children with chubby hands and big dreams and wearing tutus and speaking with a lisp, desperately hoping that the image of them in their youth would dissolve any pain they had caused me in their adulthood. But it wasn't until I made two revelations that something shifted in my heart and it finally clicked in sync with my mind. In my life, I could see clearly 
two reasons why I was clinging to justice and wasn't forgiving with the enthusiasm that I was called to give. The first was that I didn't realize how large my own debt was, and the second was that I thought I could chip away at my debt until I was free. Those two misconceptions greatly hindered how I felt about someone who I thought owed me something. In Scripture, we're told that we owe 10,000 talents to a master. And people disagree about how much money that translates to, but everyone agrees that it is an amount that a servant in this parable could never, ever pay off. We're in debt. And there's nothing that we can do about it except to accept the absolution and be eternally grateful. And frankly, I had become used to my gift. I wasn't celebrating anymore. I had grown accustomed to the kindness. I walked around my life seeking justice in the obvious places, pennies in comparison to the millions I owed, forgetting that I myself had not been treated with justice at all. The other thing turning me inside out was that my adversary's behavior wasn't changing. And I realized that in my circumstance, I was expected to just move peacefully along. But the lack of acknowledgement of my experience, the lack of acknowledgement of my feelings and my excellent points, it frustrated me fiercely. But when I allowed his word to teach me that we forgive wrongly when we hold on to debt and imply that people must change in order to work off any grievance, I thought my forgiveness equaled their kindness. But delivering mercy is not the same thing as negotiating a trade. My mercy was contingent on their good behavior, but our Lord's is not. The servant in the parable was never expected to return any favor. That was a ludicrous notion. He could never do that. I was free. And I wasn't free because I didn't remember the hurt. I wasn't free because I changed my mind about my situation. I wasn't free because I wanted to have slumber parties and shopping Saturdays with my Diane. I was free because my heart had changed. I was free because I finally understood my role and it had nothing to do with justice. That was for him. My only job was to hand out what I had been given in abundance. My debt was so great and there was absolutely no chance of making it right. So my only option was to pour out mercy lavishly on others, regardless of their own personal red ink. Their red ink wasn't my business. I had my own. Whenever feelings of injustice rise in my heart, I remember my gift a gift that I can't do anything about. And so over and over, I give forgiveness knowing that the Lord understands that I'm bad at it. 490 times, too many times to count to the same person about the same situation as many times as necessary, knowing that the Lord forgives my rudimentary attempts to love like He does. I give it and I ask for His mercy when it's hard to give again and again, and I find myself free. No late-night rehearsed conversations, no embarrassing exchanges on Facebook, but instead a heart that knows what my head does. That forgiveness means letting go of our need for things to be set right, because in the gospel, nothing is set right. From the book of John, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. This is my friend Emily. We've been friends for 21 slash three years. Emily is passionate about growth. She writes neatly about messy things and always, always tells the truth.
Hi, Emily. Hi. Uh, we are sitting at your kitchen table, and I just laughed because you went to go get us water, and you came back with sippy cups. And I'm <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're like I did without even thinking about it. Without even thinking about it, I'm fist bumping to motherhood and solidarity and, and sippy cups. Um, so I'm um, thank you so much. You kind of did this on the fly, and <laughs> I appreciate you asking, and I appreciate that you did this on the fly. So. Well, no, it's like it's not even a light topic. It's like let's get together and talk about forgiveness, NBD, right? <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. For sure. I am so grateful for you. Have a very unique role in my life. Um, by the way, Emily was on last season, episode ten, when divorce happens, and that episode. Um, resonated with so many people because in one way or another we're all in a difficult relationship Mm -hmm. um it might not necessarily be your marriage but we can certainly relate to the pain and the heartbreak Mm -hmm. of wanting so desperately something to work that's just not yes um so that uh episode was shared over and over and over again and I loved seeing your people rally around you in the promotion of that it was that was a beautiful thing what was it like to be on uh it was really one of the best experiences I've had. And, um, I was telling someone this morning that, um, I've spent the last few years really learning how to use my voice, um, in a way that matters. And I felt like that was one of the biggest lessons or final exams in how to do that. Um, to be able to talk about something, um, so raw and, and present. I mean, you know, so, um, I could not have done that without you, uh, first of all, giving me the opportunity, but second, taking me through it so graciously Mm. and wonderfully. And so I, um, before, um, Allison turned the mic on, I talked about how I was a little nervous about today, but mostly I trust her so much that Mm. it makes it easier than it would be otherwise. So Thank that you has so been much. Some of what we just show up vulnerably and uh-huh. share our brokenness. And how about that? People are healed. People yes. are healed by it. And mm-hmm. and isn't that more important than this moment of discomfort? Yes. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yes. Because I will go back to work in a while and feel fine. You know, yes, um, I'll yes. get a little nervous again when it's time to hear the final results and share it with people. Right. But that feeling fades. Yes. Um, but hopefully the transformation that can yeah. happen is lasting. It's 20 seconds of bravery, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, like I said, you have a unique place in my life because, you know, we don't get to see each other very much, but I, I look for your words. I read your words. I ingest your words there. You. you have such a way of storytelling, um, that is captivating and is real. It's, um, it's not presumptuous. It's interesting what you and I can cover in text. Yes, <laughs> it is. It is. Yes, indeed. Um, and, when the spirit is leading the communication, the particular <laughs> avenue. <laughs> I love it. We can cover some serious ground. Yeah. We don't get to sit knee to knee very often over, across a table, but right. but we can get some ground covered in text. Definitely. Anyways, thank you. I appreciate thank your wisdom so much. You're you're careful with words, and it just makes you a perfect guest on this mm-hmm. show. And I want to have you back again and again and again. Uh, well, thank you. I will come back as many times as you. Ask. Awesome. Um, okay, so we're here today to talk about forgiveness. Yes. And when I think about forgiveness and the times that it's been a a struggle in Mm -hmm. my life, Mm -hmm. I can't help but notice that we want love, 
where we want it from. Yes. And people don't love us the ways that we think they should. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to be hurt in big, big ways. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet we're called to forgive. Yes. Over and over and over even. Mm -hmm. Yes. Obviously, this is a big part of you experiencing joy in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, Just with what we talked about with last episode, we have big forgivenesses. We have little forgivenesses. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell me a little bit about where you are. Um, I would say that I look at my divorce as an opportunity to engage some of the big forgivenesses. Um, That To forgive that... Um, meant going back and digging up earlier big forgivenesses that maybe Mm -hmm. I had never really made or that I had been kind of um, running away from for a long Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like one of the good things that came out of my divorce, because God can work all things for good, um, is that I had to really encounter some wounds that were pretty deep and mm. places where forgiveness um, really needed to come mm-hmm. um, because otherwise I wasn't going to be able to move forward and have the life that I wanted. Um, I am absolutely committed to not becoming bitter. Oh, um, you are. You are so <laughs> committed. I love yeah. that word. You are so committed. Thank you. And I I think that that is accurate, that I am committed to not being bitter. And for me, forgiveness is the only way to live into that commitment because so much um, would just make you bitter if you can't forgive it. Right. So, Um, you know, you you said that all things are working to good for good. And it's not that all things are good. Right. No, no. It is not that all things are good. <laughs> but they right. are working together for the good of those who love him. Yes. And um, when, for, for me, when I, when I think about what it is that we're called to, because we've been given so much, mm-hmm. it really just comes down to that we have been given this, this gift that we could never earn, mm-hmm. um, that we could never even appropriately receive. I mean, I Uh I feel like I don't even think that I, that we know what we've been given yet. And Mm -hmm. I don't think that we're going to come into that glory until this one fine day. But the glimpses that I see of heaven here on earth, thy kingdom Mm -hmm. come make me so grateful for Mm -hmm. what I've been given. I have to kind of refocus. So you're talking about, I'm committed to not becoming bitter. How much of becoming bitter is nourishing or nurturing the wrong things. Right. So I could sit around and I could Mm -hmm. nurture resentment. Mm -hmm. I could nurture, you know, bitterness. Mm -hmm. I could nurture the wrong that has been done to me Mm -hmm. or I can make a different, a different decision to nurture other things. Yes. And that's what you've Yes. Done in your life. What are the things that you have nurtured instead of resentment? Um, I think for me, part of it is you have to feel what it is you're feeling, whether it's the resentment or the anger or whatever it is in order to know what to nurture instead. Mm. So if you're feeling angry, angry is usually about fear. Um, if you get to, if you get down to it. Mm -hmm. And so to kind of unpack that and think about what am I afraid of Mm. and then focus on ways that you 
have overcome that fear or the things that you, you know, most of our fears, if we drag them out into the light, they're not that scary. Mm -hmm. And so if we take the time to sit with them and then really, you know, say them out loud. Say it. Yes. Give um, it words. Write it down. Write it down. Whatever you need to do. um, I find that it's a lot easier to, to look at that and say, well, what is it that I really need? Am I really angry about this? Or am I afraid that something is going to happen? And if I'm afraid, then I know where I need to be asking for God's help. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that the the main thing that I do in order to, to move past bitterness is to feel whatever it is I'm feeling yeah. and then use that to encourage me to do something different. That is so wise. I like that the refocus isn't an escape. No, no. We have to sit in it. We have to acknowledge. We cannot heal what we don't acknowledge. Right. And then kind of shift mm-hmm. our perspective. I, when I was thinking about this this monumental task of forgiving again and again and again, mm-hmm. um, I love Peter. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, just yeah, adore I Peter. Like, <laughs> He's how so many great. times exactly? <laughs> Jesus is like more than you can count, big guy. All right. Okay. Just, all right. Put it down over there. <laughs> um, let's talk real quick about what forgiveness is mm-hmm. and what it isn't. Okay. I, I started a second ago talking about how because of this great gift mm-hmm. that we have received, it's out of thankfulness mm-hmm. that that's where the, the obligation but, but also right. it's a decision. I think it starts mm-hmm. out as a decision. Mm-hmm. And so I think that we can more easily make that decision mm-hmm. if we know what it is and what it isn't. So yeah. for you, mm-hmm. what is it? Let's talk about what it is. What first. it is. Um, I would say that first and foremost, it is a decision that I make. It is not dependent on the other person. It is not dependent on whether they recognize that I think they need my forgiveness. It is not dependent on them changing their ways. It is not dependent on any act or choice that they make, Um, which is a real gift because sometimes forgiveness happens after someone's gone, you know, or after someone is unavailable in your life for whatever reason. and I, because I think that that's just a critical component of forgiveness is it is internal to you. Um, I have to say, so you say (laughs) it's not contingent upon anything Mm -hmm. that they do. And I'm thinking, man, what a bummer. And you go, (laughs) and you, at the exact moment that I'm thinking, man, that sucks. You're like, and that's a gift. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't feel like a gift all the time. but. But you're right though, because for me, I, um, I, I had it mixed up where mm-hmm. it was an exchange. Uh-huh. My right. forgiveness is an exchange for your kindness. Uh-huh. So I'm going to offer you this forgiveness now, and now you're going to be nice to me. Right, yes. I'm going right. to offer you this forgiveness, and now you're going to have a lobotomy and be a different person. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, yes. And I think we've all had those moments where we, you know, those uh, kind of fantasies where someone comes to us and says, oh, I, you know, I, I see the error of my ways. I know that I did these things and I beg for your forgiveness. And we, you know, like uh, queens or something say, yeah. okay, yeah. I forgive you. Yes. Um, and, and sometimes that actually does kind of happen. Like, you know, that someone really will through their own work sure. um, recognize that they have done something that they, you know, need to, uh, to make amends for, to use uh, recovery language. But 
more often than not, it doesn't. Yeah. More often than not, it has to be something that you forgive on your own. Yes. And you, you're, you might not ever, they might not even be aware right. that you think or that you're trying to forgive them. And if your forgiveness has an if attached to yes. it, I will forgive you if, right. then it's not forgiveness, it's something else. Yes. Because forgiveness is a gift, not an exchange. Right. And I, I had that all kinds of wrong. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that was a really big lesson to yeah. me. Um, you know, I think another thing that forgiveness is, I, don't, I think there's a lot of freedom in forgiveness mm-hmm. because I don't need you to love me perfectly. Right. And, and that doing that heart work mm-hmm. on my, on my own, you know, so much of this goes back to us, but, um, I, if I can acknowledge that I am perfectly loved right here, up and down yes, from the Lord, mm-hmm. this is where my perfect love Mm-hmm. where I can count, that I can count on. Yes. Then it frees me up from receiving perfect love from you. I'm not mm-hmm. demanding that of you. Right. We're all children here. Yes. We're all wounded here. We're right. all doing the, the best that we can. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, one of my dear friends said on an earlier episode, I think it was actually a mini episode, but mm-hmm. even if what that person is offering you is crap, uh-huh. it's probably the best that they can. Right, yes. <laughs> Assume that we are all doing the best that we can at yeah. any given moment. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so it's not conditional. Mm-hmm. It is a decision. Um, let's talk about what it's not. Okay. Forgiveness is not... Um, it is not... You know, it's, it's not something that allows someone to continue causing you pain. Um, it is not something that, um, anybody else can expect from you Mm. in any kind of situation. Like I think that, that, that can be really damaging, Mm -hmm. um, to feel like you have to forgive someone because everyone expects you to. Mm. Um, sometimes I think of forgiveness as letting someone off the hook Yeah, and it's, Letting them off the hook in a way, but in another way, it's not. It's very Mm -hmm. separate from, uh, if anything, I think when you have to do the work to forgive someone, you do the honest reckoning with whatever situation um, has broken down the relationship that forgiveness is necessary. I mean, I think all of our relationships, forgiveness is kind of necessary all the time. But Mm -hmm. if when there's been a big forgiveness, yeah. I think that when you deal with that honestly, that there are some consequences that sometimes come from whatever caused it. So sometimes that means setting some boundaries. Um, It does not mean that you have to constantly leave the door open. Um, Sometimes making the decision that is ultimately going to let you forgive is also part of a process where you say, but I am going to take care of myself in this situation and I'm not going to let this continue just for the sake of, you know, letting it continue again. Yeah. Some changes need to happen. Well, I I like how you're always so insistent on feeling your feelings. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of one of the reasons that people are afraid to Mm -hmm. forgive or, or don't, don't, don't call me to that yet. I don't feel ready for that yet because Mm -hmm. I feel like what you're asking me to do Mm -hmm. is minimize my pain. Right. And I'm not ready to do that. I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. And you may not ever want to do that. Right. What happened happened. And I want to sit in my feelings. Mm -hmm. And so forgiveness is not a minimization of the hurt that's been caused. Right. 
I think that's a really important prerequisite. Absolutely. If anything, it is a very full recognition of right. the hurt that was caused. Right. When you do try to minimize something and act like, oh, that wasn't that big of a deal. Of course, it's fine. That's, I think, where we end up in trouble Absolutely. as well. It's, it's just going to bubble back up right. and bubble exactly. back up. There is no way it's, around pain. There, no. It's only through. <laughs> right. Yes, for sure. For but, sure. you know, I, I, think, I think you're right. It, forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean reconciliation. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to, no. Yeah. No. Um, have you, what have you learned about boundaries and forgiveness? Boundaries. Um, mostly that, you know, I am someone who takes on a lot of, you know, other people's feelings. And I um, just kind of have built to try to take care of everyone and to make things easy for people and to try to, you know, be, uh, my mother calls me the judge, which is maybe not quite what I'm looking for here, but like <laughs> the the mediator that, you know, I'm the person who can kind of navigate situations and make everybody feel okay about things. Sure. Um, and one of the things that I've learned is that in doing that, I've put myself in situations where I get really hurt. And so mm. I take on all that hurt because I've feel like I, I'm sparing it for other people. Right. So part of forgiving the people who have hurt me is to recognize that that role sets me up for a lot of really, you know, unhealthy things and to kind of recognize that there are certain certain people, certain relationships, yeah. certain dynamics yeah. that I am healthier without them. Uh-huh. And to forgive and also to say but no more. Yes. Is a challenge yes. for me sometimes. So when you get to the how to's, mm-hmm. you know, so, okay. So I'm, I feel resentment in my, uh-huh. I've been hurt. Yes. I feel resentment. Mm-hmm. Um, even anger, mm-hmm. bitterness, what have you. I can, I don't, I can't, it's hard to be in the same room as you. Yes. It's hard to look you in the eye. Yes. All of these things that mm-hmm. are even like people showing up in dreams or, yes. okay. you know, so I, there's clearly the work of forgiveness mm-hmm. and we're, we're called to pray for our enemies. And mm-hmm. how often are you excited to do that? Right. <laughs> I think that we wait to feel the feel. I, I'm mm-hmm. going to wait until I feel like praying for mm-hmm. this person. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> You're going to be waiting a long time. Right. right. So in a lot of ways it's actions first. Mm-hmm feelings later. Uh-huh. And so being called in prayer mm-hmm. and then being dedicated to that, mm-hmm. even when we don't feel like it, I, I feel like it kicks the door of our heart open Yes, for a Holy spirit to come in and rearrange and relinquish and loosen and yes. shaken, you know, and then my heart's just, my heart has changed uh-huh. and that yes. feels like a miracle. And then you get to see, yes, the extent of God's power mm-hmm. when you, we were just talking about this, the data points, when mm-hmm. you look at this data point to this data point and realize mm-hmm. this is completely different mm-hmm. than it, yeah. than it used to be. Well, I think that that is one of the things that forgiveness is. It's an opportunity for us to grow in our faith yes. and in our intimacy with God, because yes. there is nothing more intimate than being honest and saying, I can't even think about this person without a visceral reaction. 
from my heart to change, you're going to have to change it. That's right. And just, and, and just to lay that out. And that, I think one of the things about forgiveness is that it just takes so long and it just takes so many times and it is so gradual, but you're right. You, from where you start to where you end up one day, you just kind of realize, like you said, that your heart has changed and like, I can, I can think about that person or I can think about that situation without all of this swirling, um, you know, pain and frustration and resentment and anger. And it just goes away gradually. But all along that process, and I I know a lot of people a lot um, smarter than me have said something to the effect that, you know, if you can't pray for your enemy, pray for the ability to pray for your enemy yes. and just start there. It's a humble offering. Yes. This is what I have today. Right. And the Lord yes. is so pleased. Right. Yes. And that you would recognize like, I get it. I know that I need to be praying for this person or, you know, I know, I know, I know I am not capable of it. Yeah. And so all I am capable of at this particular moment is telling you, I need your help even just to think about getting to the place where I can do that. Right. I think that that we have a tendency when it comes to holiness to kind of reach for this low hanging fruit Mm -hmm. because it's what's easy and it's what we can manage on our own. Mm -hmm. And so I can eradicate this, say one word from my vocabulary Mm -hmm. because it's a cuss word and call it holiness. Right. But I can do that with my own Uh self-discipline, but my self-discipline will wear out. And Mm -hmm. I think what we're called to are these really deep levels of holiness, Yeah, <laughs> you know, these heart changes that we cannot, that we have no control over, that right. we are so desperately needy for conversion. Mm-hmm. And that's when, how we work from the inside out. Yes. A desperate neediness. I can't mm-hmm. do this. Mm-hmm. I was in a situation where um, I knew that those, those, that tight chested feeling mm-hmm. of, of, hatred really I mean let's let's be honest let's call it what it is Mm -hmm. but um I had I needed to refocus my energy Uh we also talked about earlier and kind of think of the things that I was happy about in my life Uh that I was grateful for Mm -hmm. my life was not defined by this you know this one thing happening Mm -hmm. and then making a very sincere effort Mm-hmm. To pray, even though I didn't feel like it. Yes. Praying very specific blessings for this person. Mm-hmm. I remember praying that they ate good food that day. I prayed yeah. that they have a meal that they love. Yes. <laughs> right. And that that's where you get to the place where you're you're open to recognizing their humanity it, and recognizing, yes. you know, the things that there's a connection between the things that you enjoy that you know nurture you and wanting that for that person. Yes, that's um, beautiful. You put that so pretty. Thank you. <laughs> uh, one of the things as you were talking, it made me think of this writing exercise I did with um, in one of my old jobs. And um, the woman who led it has written um, a spiritual I don't think she would call it a spiritual memoir, but she has written a a memoir that is very much about spirituality and um, healing and things like that. And she had us do this exercise where we had to, we spent actually a lot of time focusing on someone who had wronged us pretty seriously. Um, And we had to, you know, we, we had to deal with some of that, like some of the you know, the uglier exchanges or moments or, you know, the things that had left the wounds. And then we had to go back 
and write about an experience we had with them that was good. Mm. And Hmm. that was really hard work to do Mm. after having spent some time in the negative. But I found that what, and it it went back to something simple. Um, It was the person who taught me how to drive a stick shift. And I remember there were all these things, all this water under the bridge. But I remembered this one particular day that there was no one else in the world who could have been as patient with me, who could have gotten me over that. Cause I, they had bought me, my parents had bought me a Volkswagen bug. Like it was a stick shift. If I wanted to drive to school, I had to figure it out. And I was having a very hard time doing it. And everybody was getting impatient with me. And there was really only one person who could take me from, you know, killing it every time I tried to move forward to successfully driving whenever I wanted to go. Mm. And I thought, okay, of all, if I can hang on to that memory, yeah. um, wow. then there's hope, yeah. you know? Um, so. You know, because isn't our tendency to dehumanize someone? Yes. <laughs> to turn isn't them it? into a monster. Exactly. Absolutely. To make right. them, because no one's either all good or all bad. No. no. <laughs> we have right. to live in this tension uh-huh. that, the, the, that there are both. And I think that you know, and, and kind of recognize even our own humanity. Like, well, yeah, I mean, I mess up too, but not like that. Right. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we kind of separate ourselves from them Uh and it, Uh it becomes too easy to nurture anger that way to nurture hate. Well, and with my, in the aftermath of my divorce, there was definitely that because particularly I think people who, um, you know, I've always tried to do the right thing, right? I, my nickname on the high school cheerleading squad was the Good Samaritan because I <laughs> never, you know, I, I don't know exactly why they chose that nickname for me. I, I didn't like really, it. yeah, I, I like it. <laughs> I didn't mind it. Right. Yeah. It could be worse um, for sure. So I, um, you know, I think that there, for someone who tries to do things right, to really and truly acknowledge the ways that we fall short helps with forgiveness too, because like you're saying, you, you can see, um, you know, yeah, maybe I didn't mess up in that particular way, but I've been guilty of doing these other things too. And, um, you know, I sure hope that someone would be willing to forgive me. Um, there's a lot of pride in that. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Oh, pride, forgiveness. You have to get rid of pride. (laughs) Um, I think another thing that we, you know, in order to do this well, mm-hmm. um, you know, recognizing their humanity, you mm-hmm. said that beautifully, but the, I think another thing is relinquishing your desire f- to get even yes, or even really for justice. Yes. That, <laughs> right. Absolutely. You know, taking that mm-hmm. in, into our own hands, mm-hmm. you know, I, yeah. I think that there's a sincere desire to kind of level the playing field. Mm-hmm. You hurt me like this. Mm-hmm. I can do that too. Right. Even if it's just withholding forgiveness, like mm-hmm. that, you know, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to hurt you because I'm not going to let you, right. you know, I'm not going to let this go. Yeah. Jesus never withheld no. affection from people to teach them a lesson. No, he yeah. didn't. I was reading this story about, um, I don't know if you remember it was a terrible tragedy that this man um took these Amish children um and killed uh, five of them and wounded five others his intention was to kill them all and he killed himself after that and the Amish community immediately forgave they went to visit his widow they have included his mother in 
so many things in the years since. And they, there's this great article about, you know, one of the fathers of one of the young girls who was killed. And he's, you know, he admitted, he was like, it, just because I, we immediately offered forgiveness didn't mean that it didn't hurt. It didn't mean that we don't struggle with it to this day. Sure. But we wanted to, you know, that's part of who we are is we are going to act on what we believe we are called to do, which is to forgive. And like you were saying, the the feeling about it can catch up later. No, right. we're confused and we're hurting, right. but we're going to act right. the way we know we are called to act and, yeah. and trust God that the feelings will catch up eventually. Exactly. And that might take a while. Yes. This might be decades in the making, but this is my decision. Right. I feel like it's easy to listen to this conversation. And think of all the apologies that were owed. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then the truth is, is that we probably yeah. owe some, uh-huh. we probably owe some apologies. Yes. How do you, what are, what do you know about that? What do I know about that? <laughs> well, um, I actually was just, had an opportunity to apologize to my mother um, yeah. earlier, earlier this week. Um, <laughs> and I was telling her about a way that my son had hurt my feelings. Um, mm-hmm. I have a 13 year old son and uh, he uh, does not realize the damage that a stray word can do. Sure. And you know, that you, something that you just say mm-hmm. um, can actually leave really deep wounds. Mm-hmm. And I was telling her about that. And as I was saying it to her, I was thinking of at least a few times when I know I have done that to her. Mm-hmm. And so as she was listening, I said, you know what, <laughs> as these words are coming out of my mouth, I realized that I have done the same thing to you and I'm mm. so sorry, mm. you know, like yeah. this, is, it, it, it's not that I didn't recognize that I had done the wrong thing, but when, particularly when it, when I found myself in the situation of having been hurt, then I could see how I had hurt her. Mm. And I just said, I'm, I'm really sorry. Um, I think about like getting up into that airplane view of that whole yeah. thing. And thinking of your maybe perhaps younger self mm-hmm. or whatever, and she could have strong armed that that apology yes. from you. But how sweet <laughs> to wait decades right. later, perhaps, <laughs> and right. for your heart to truly mm-hmm. acknowledge and realize pain that perhaps you've caused and what a sweet moment between the two of you. So the Lord is patient in this. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Thank goodness. Right. We're not, but the Lord will take his sweet time in in changing people's hearts. And I know I have other apologies to make. I know that there Mm -hmm. are a lot of different things that um, I need to apologize for. And I think that the part of it is the timing to have someone be ready to receive an apology is an important piece of offering it because yeah. it, you know, like you said, it's not the, um, you know, it can become this like back and forth and you right. hurt me and I'm going to hurt you. And right. you kind of have to get to a space where some of that has calmed down yeah. before you can really, um, before you can really make an honest apology to yeah. someone. Um, and which is so frustrating because that's what we want in the moment. Like we, you know, we want to feel this back and forth and we want it, but sometimes you just have to wait for it to be really effective. Yeah. We just, you know, I think it it comes down to comfort being our love language and I don't want to feel this way anymore. And I know Mm -hmm. the the power of of forgiveness and the freedom that it brings. I want to go back really quick Mm -hmm. to... Setting good boundaries, 
reconciliation, Mm -hmm. resuming a relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think that that gets really confusing for people. Mm -hmm. I think that people think that God is asking them to do something that he's not asking them to do. Yeah. Um, And God does not expect you to be an idiot. Mm -hmm. And so forgiveness is a matter of grace Mm -hmm. and it's instant. I give you this. Mm -hmm. And then trust. Yes. To perhaps re-enter a relationship or reconcile Mm -hmm. a relationship. Mm -hmm. That's not instant. And that's not grace. Mm -hmm. It is earned. Yes. And it takes time. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, that I feel like that is mm-hmm. a really important distinction that keeps people from forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And that's how I kind of wanted to wrap this up. But the yeah. things that keep us mm-hmm. from forgiveness. Um, I think the not being able or not taking the time to really accept what happened or what the reality of the relationship is. Or um, I think that getting very honest about accepting whatever it is, because like I said, you know, forgiveness is a decision that you make that is not contingent on any kind of action or change from the other person. It is a decision that you make um, to let go of something. And you can't really let go of something if you don't know what you're letting go of. Beautiful. Yes. So that's what I think the main thing is to. And how great to get specific. Like, let's get real. I feel like the more specific you can get, the better. Absolutely. Oh, yes. And then take about taking its power, you know. Yes. Take the time. Take the effort. Um, You know, do. I, I cannot say enough how helpful various therapists have been to mm, me. Amen. Yes. Um, because they can talk me through a situation and help me see a place where I'm glossing over something right. or I'm trying Mind to spots. just kind of skirt around it. Yes. And and a lot of times it's because I've been doing it for so long that I, it doesn't, you know, like I had, I had this stack of boxes in here. I think the last time you were here and um, for a long time, I just went around them. I didn't take the time to put them away and all that kind of stuff. And it got to the point where like, I just automatically walked that route <laughs> through the living room because they were there and I just kind of was used to walking in this certain way. Um, and I think that it can help to have someone else. So if you want a therapist and a friend or a trusted mentor or someone who can help you see what you need to be working on right. and then do the work to accept yes. those situations accept those people this is what that person is capable of and there is good to that person and there is bad to that person but this is they are human and this is what you know this happened and I have to decide whether I'm going to be willing to start over rebuilding that trust and sometimes you are and sometimes you're not but if you don't take the time to really accept the way things are, yeah. you're not going to be able to move on from it. I don't think for, for me, a big barrier was I don't trust you, God, that you're going to take care of it the way that I would want you to take care right. of it. <laughs> and so often my justice God does it. better. Right. You know, <laughs> so often the way God takes care of it is not the way I yeah. would take care of it, yeah. but learning to trust God because God is trustworthy yes. and, 
other people may or may not be, or, you know, that may change, but God doesn't change and God is trustworthy. Mm -hmm. And so to trust him with that. I feel like you are so good at when things are confusing in your life, leaning into the parts of God's character that you know for certain. Yes. And that was hard for me in my need of forgiveness. And I love being able um, to go through life with you and watch you kind of cling to these tenets. I know he's good. I am optimistic because I trust that who he says he is is true. Yes. And so I just feel like you're a perfect person for this topic. Thank you. I feel like you and I have been able to pray for each other in some really specific ways lately. And I just value your insight and friendship so much. Thank you. And you have been such a gift to me. And I am so grateful every day. This is a sweet time. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. Love you. Love you too. And now, a word from our sponsors, Hustle 3. You guys, I'm so excited about this. With five kids and a jillion activities to get them to, I don't have time to add a private baseball lesson into the mix, but my newest sponsor, Hustle 3, has come to the rescue. With a very reasonably priced monthly subscription service, all I have to do is take a video of my son hitting a baseball on my phone and then load it up to hustle3.com, where an expert coach breaks down his swing frame by frame and gives him drills to work on that are specific to his needs. A few weeks later, I upload another video and the training continues. I can stop the subscription at any time and then restart it once the next season's here again. If my son ever decides to start pitching, I'm going to be using Hustle3.com to get him expert instruction from, get this, a former Major League Baseball pitcher. Where else could I get my son access to this kind of training on my time with no driving around town and at an affordable price? I don't know much about baseball mechanics, but evidently, that's what he's learning. The drills teach him muscle memory patterns that don't just get him better, but help him to avoid injury down the road. I'm going to be a member of Hustle 3 community for years to come, and you should too. So if you think you might be interested, head over to Hustle3.com. Give it a try yourself. My best friend and I certainly don't have all the answers. But that's never stopped us when it comes to matters of the heart from trying to comprehend, evaluate, analyze, apply, and synthesize. Wait, is that Bloom's taxonomy? I knew we were onto something. This is me, my best friend Kristen, and your questions. Hi, girl. Hey. Hi, (laughs) BC. Hi. How are you doing? Great. How about you? Um, So good. You want to talk about forgiveness? Okay. So I was thinking, Emily, it was just, she's so like calmly wise. Mm. It's so great. Like I love a calm, wise person. I really <laughs> hyper wise people can, I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, so I had a great conversation with her about forgiveness. And um, I was thinking about after we got finished talking, actually, how there are kind of these minor things in our lives that I don't know if it's forgiveness. That, they, that it requires as much as it is like calmness and acceptance and patience. Mm-hmm, and then there's mm-hmm. these like big, you know, areas that need forgiveness. Right. Have you ever had um, a big forgiveness teach you anything? Well, I really resonate more with what you said first, like the smaller ones. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is just 
a challenging relationship that I have in my life. And there isn't necessarily like one big act that needed forgiveness, but it's more of a repetitive ongoing small things that are just difficult and make the relationship hard, but it's mm. important to me. And so I don't want to walk away from it. Yeah. Um, and so that's actually taught me more, I think. And I think that what I've learned through that is that, you know, my choice to keep showing up and how to respond with kindness rather than with tit for tat digs <laughs> um, right, or avoidance yeah just better Mm. represents God and my faith um, and somehow pulling back and and coming at it from that perspective, like who do I want to represent right now um, helps me kind of fill up my cup with more patience and more ability, just kind of reframing it. Um, And then it's not so much about that person and what they've done, but about who I want to be. And um, it just, it just has made it easier. It's been a blessing in the long run. And we forgive well it, shines a light on who our God is. It's awesome. Absolutely. I think Absolutely. I read somewhere that when we think about the life of Christ, it's not that he was like the biggest takeaway is not his perfection, but his forgiveness. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Let's go right to the question here. Um, okay. It says, I have an atrocious story. It is the unthinkable. And I keep hearing from people around me that part of my healing is about forgiving this person who hurt me deeply. And this doesn't make sense to me because I'm not even sure that God forgives this person. Wow. Goodness, that makes my stomach hurt. I feel um, ill-equipped. But the first thing that comes to mind is that, you know, I believe that God will hold that person accountable. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we confuse accountability with forgiveness and uh, we want so much for for someone to be held accountable and for justice to be done and I just think that's God's job and God will do that job um, and maybe to the listener that you know people are just confusing those words because they want more freedom for you um, I, from whatever this terrible thing is um, but but yeah what I would say is just that it's about accountability and you don't have to worry about that piece Mm, yeah oh i'm so deeply sorry sweet Mm -hmm. listener for whatever Mm -hmm. happened but um i don't know why that makes me want to cry but um, i think that um that fighting for peace like we have this idea that we need to fight for peace and and i think an enemy would have us believe that that peace is fighting winning and then being justified Mm -hmm. and I think that what peace really is, because that's what everyone wants for you is peace. But I think what peace really is, is it's giving room for God to fight for us. And that requires a surrender. Mm -hmm. Um, When I was in the middle of something where I was really needy and I, um, on a smaller scale, I can relate to the, the feelings that you're talking about, but I had this image. I was walking into church when I had it, but I had this vision of God trying to put me under his tender wing and mm-hmm. I was just writhing and he, it was like, he couldn't, he's like, woman, be still, right? you know? Right. And I just needed to surrender to being taken care of. So we just need to be still and know that God fights for us. Mm-hmm. Take the pressure off yourself to do something yeah. and maybe let him do something first. Cause he's going to do it better. And I don't think right. I trusted that at the time. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Okay. Love you, BC. Thank you for forgiving me all these times throughout our 
three decades of loving each other. All right, back at you, sister. Love you. Bye. Love you too. Bye. I've never met anyone like Mary. Well, technically, I've never met Mary. You see, we're internet friends, but don't let that fool you. This internet connection runs deep. Mary is so many things all at the same time. With one sentence, she can make me laugh, cry, think, and deeply, deeply feel. There's just something about Mary. You'll see. Anger hurts. I don't just mean it hurts your heart or your soul, though it certainly does that. I mean it physically hurts. I wrote an article for Sick Pilgrim last September that compared nursing anger to nursing a baby. It was based on a reading from the book of Syrac, which says in part that a sinner hugs wrath and anger and asks how we can expect forgiveness if we nourish anger against one another or cherish wrath. Hugging and nourishing and cherishing sound awfully tender to be wasted on anger. I discovered just how untender anger could be when it blinded me, quite literally, to the glass wall right in front of me, and I ran full force into it. Once my nose and my knee, and after falling backward unceremoniously on the ground, my rear end, were tender, I figured it was high time for my heart to start softening up, too. After that experience, I started to pay more attention to when my body hurt. Sometimes it just hurts because I'm getting old, and sometimes I'm stressed or anxious or I did too much yard work. But other times, when my stomach is rolling and my muscles are tense, sometimes it's because I need to tell someone I'm sorry. Being Catholic, for me that can look like going to confession, or it can mean just talking to my husband or one of my kids or a friend. And sometimes it's just talking to my mom or dad in my head, who are no longer with us. When I'm feeling the need to be forgiven, nothing feels right in the world. It's such a powerful and invisible force that we hold over one another, and it can affect us deeply. Sometimes, the thing I need to unclench my gut and relax my shoulders is hearing the words, I forgive you, which almost always starts with saying the words, I'm sorry. Peace for the journey, sisters. to Jesus I surrender all to him I freely give I will ever love and trust Dear God we come before you with humble hearts and lay down our rights the relationships we think should be easy, the apologies we think we are owed. Instead, we focus on your forgiveness, the forgiveness we have been granted. Help us, God, to remember what you have done for us in a way that makes us act. Help us to take our ungodly thoughts captive, our unkind actions unacted upon, that we might be obedient to Christ instead. Ultimately, God, we seek restoration with you and with others. Your mercy flows to us in spite of our faults. So help us to give love and kindness to those who have hurt us. Our emotions don't have to control our actions, but we need your help, God, to see others through your eyes. We are needy. We praise you for the work that you're doing in our lives. 
please keep perfecting our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And for this episode, a special thank you to Chan Redfield for music, Emily Gordon, Hustle 3, Kristen Kelly, Pamela Anthony Cutright, and Mary Beth Bishop. For more of Mary, you can follow her on her blog at www.cronecafe.wordpress.com. Email us your questions at centersaintsister at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook at Allison M. Sullivan and Instagram and Twitter at Allison M. Sully. And be sure to catch the mini episode for extras.